This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and Washington has defeated Boise 38-7 to in the uh, Las Vegas Bowl, and we're at uh, Sam Boyd Stadium, and evidently it's the last game that's ever going to be played here, and we're staying at the Hard Rock Hotel, which is being torn down uh, next month, so lots of changes going on down in Vegas, and one of the unique things where I, I knew something kind of up uh, i ran up in between the third and fourth quarters to take a quick leak all the men's rooms were closed people were kind of freaking out about that but uh, a little bit weird down here for this bowl but not weird for the husky football team today um they pretty much dominated boise state from the get-go and real nice win sending chris peterson out the right way nice celebration on the field and uh, he did not like that gatorade bath but uh started early in the first quarter chris they looked good coming out of the gate i thought yeah, they look good. I mean, yeah, they they definitely you know defense at the tone. You know, you get that pick. Um, it looked like Boise State had some things going for them a little bit. Uh, Hank Backmeyer, uh, their freshman quarterback, had come back. I don't think he'd played in what was it like seven games, something like that. But um, it looked like he was doing some things. And I had actually saw Boise State when they played at Florida State, and you know he had he had done some really really good things in that game, and he was starting to show. Uh, some things, but uh, when the rush came, and he kind of threw up that floater to Miles Bryant, uh, you kind of knew. Wait a second, this is uh, this little different thing here. He's he's maybe a, a little bit off because um, maybe that rust had shown a little bit. But I thought they did well uh, to start off defensively, and then to go out and and score the way that they did right away. Uh, I thought that was a really really good thing too. I mean, the way that that slant to Andre Bocelli. I don't know if you guys kind of looked at it the same way I did, but it kind of looked to me like kind of a mirror image of the slant touchdown that Eason threw to Bocelli at BYU. Because instead of from the right side, it was from the left side. And he just kind of split those guys and uh, and just kind of went to the house. So I, I thought it was a great start, obviously. Right. It slowed down a little bit. But uh, overall, it just never looked like Washington was ever going to get threatened. And Chris, you mentioned uh, with Bo- their quarterback not playing in the last seven games, Brian Harson, the Boise State coach, was not happy when being asked about it. He accused the media of start trying to start something when somebody asked him if he um, had wished he'd played him more during the season. But uh, yeah, he was uh, he, he got a little red red nose, red eared, or whatever you want to call it when asked about that. But um, their quarterbacks weren't impressive. I thought the Washington defense played really, really well, especially the secondary. Um, Boise State just had a tough time getting anything going, Scott. Yeah, they did. They did. And uh, Washington only surrendered 266 yards against a team that was averaging, I want to say, 442 yards per game, roughly, something like that. And they only surrendered seven points to a team that was averaging almost 37 points a game. So uh, overall, I, I think 
I still expected Washington to win this, but I did not expect the dominating defensive performance. I thought that Boise State would do a little bit more offensively against Washington's defense. And uh, But Washington, you know, the coaches had these guys dialed in, and, and they were ready to go, like you said, Kim, from the get-go. And, Chris, you had mentioned something uh, at halftime, that how long it had been since Boise had not scored in the first half. It had been, I think, uh, five it's years. 20, 2014. Yeah, so it had been five years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So impressive game by the defense. But, you know, to be honest with you, I think the story of the game was Washington's offensive line. Uh, without Trey Adams, without Jackson Kirkland, they had to switch some things around, sending Jer- uh, Jared Hilvers out to left tackle. Uh, they put uh, Henry Robertson at right tackle. And then Victor Kern got some playing time. And then Henry Bainavalu at right guard. So, a lot of uh, a lot of newness up in that offensive line. And I thought they did a pretty good job. I thought I thought I definitely thought they did a really good job uh, tonight. I mean, the one thing I would say is, you know, I was going through it, and you would have liked to seen them rush for the ball for a little bit more than 118 yards against a smallish uh, front seven for Boise State, but. And they surrendered three sacks. Now, granted, two of them were because Eason held the ball a little bit too long. And they they allowed a few hits on Eason. But I think for the most part, considering the circumstances, I think the offensive line, considering how patchwork it was, I think they did pretty well. Uh, Richard Newton was running hard. Savon Ahmed did his usual dancing out there. But uh, Richard Newton, 15 carries for 69 yards. Savon Ahmed, six uh, for 20, but uh, I thought the most impressive run of the day was the one that got called back, um, the touchdown by uh, Cam Davis. What did you guys see on that? It, it, was it wasn't a hold. I was no going to say it was weird because it was the only only penalty of the night that was called against Washington, and it was – now, granted, I mean, if Jared Hilbert just kind of lets go, I mean, it, he's, he's out of the play. I mean, he, he didn't need to do it. But it was just a it was a weird call because I guarantee you they could have probably called something like that on at least every other play of the game on either Yeah, they team. they called it on Wattenberg, but he he they made a mistake on who they called it on, right? Right, it was on Jared yeah. Hilbers. Yeah, and and Hilbers, uh, you watch it and you're like, where's the hold? I mean, I he I was know falling he and- down. It was like he was falling down. He just kind of grabbed him, and I just was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it just it just looked so innocuous. And, and it was and now granted I know because it's away from the play it doesn't necessarily mean it shouldn't be called but it it was one of those it just it wouldn't have influenced anything and that's what makes it so frustrating because if you're Hilbers and you're falling down just fall over to the right or so I mean just you don't need to lean on the guy you don't need to fall down and grab him on the way down right um, it was, was just it, it was uh... just a weird play. Was it in the play after that that they uh, ran the Wildcat with Newton throwing it to uh, Bynum? Not, was it right not after? Not the play after. Not the play it after. Like but... three, it was like two or three plays after. Yeah, yeah it was funny with Chris Peterson because he was pretty jovial in the press conference after the game, more so than we're used to seeing, and some of it having to do with the last time he's having to face the media. But when asked about it, <clears throat> he said that uh, that play uh, was uh, – I asked him, was that a play he called or is that Bush? And he immediately said, oh, that was Bush's call. And I said, what'd you think, you know, when you heard that? And he said, I loved it. And he said he just wanted to make sure everybody realized that um, Boise State had one trick play that went for a uh, first down. And he said, but we had one trick play that went for a touchdown. He seemed pretty happy about that. So, um, you I know, think it's because so- he was most happy that that was the very last press conference he's ever going to have to do. I think that's what he was yeah. so happy about. That Obviously, that and the win. 
but uh, yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's, it's it was pretty clear that if you if you watch the video of it, we'll have the video up of it uh, on Dogman a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, he's he's clearly happy that this thing is over. And if you're listening to this podcast, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to watch the post-game press conference. Um, it's Coach Pete actually letting his guard down a little bit with us, which isn't something he normally does a lot of. So it was good to see him. But, uh, you know, getting back to the game, uh, the, well, I thought the Washington defensive line had a great game. I thought that the uh, secondary had a good game. Uh, Eddie Ulafoscio, uh, boy, he got hit hard. And uh, he went back to the locker room and he came out in street clothes, didn't finish the rest of the game, but uh, overall the performance by the defense and uh, what uh, Jimmy Lake and Pete Kwiatkowski were able to put together was impressive. Yeah, the hit on Ulafosha was actually friendly fire. It was uh, Josiah Bronson just hammered him right in the, I think uh, the top of um, Bronson's helmet hit Ulafosha right in the face, Um, you know, right in his face mask and basically I mean, Chris, you were watching it with me, and Kim, I don't know what your angle was, but... Uh, I was about 20 feet from it. Yeah, I mean, he looked like a like just a sack of potatoes when he fell down. Oh, yeah, no, he, what, he, he fell down, he fell down looked, face... It, he, he went face first, like he had, like he had gotten like. knocked it was, out. It was what it sounded like. <laughs> you just yeah. go, whoa. I mean, he, that hit, the whole sideline went silent. But, but yeah, you know, it was, looked like he got oh. knocked out initially. Yeah, guys got kind of dinged up in the game, you know. Uh, you know, Richard Newton, you know, went out a little bit. Savon Ahmed got dinged a little bit. Levi Onuzrike got dinged a little bit. Uh, you know, a lot of guys getting nicked up, banged up. Um, you Nick know, Harris uh, did. Nick, Nick Harris. Nick Harris. All of them went back in except for Eddie. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was a physical game. Boise State's <sighs> – they're a good team, I you know, and everybody says, you know, wants to make, say that, you know, they're a legit Power 5 school, but – you know, let's be honest. I mean, I, I think if they played in the Pac-12, they'd be a middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team. That's what I saw. Well, I mean, I know you think there's, you know, they came out and they're a smaller team and all that stuff. And there's no doubt that, you know, when they when they came out in the third quarter and they kind of hit Washington, they they had a good quarter. I mean, they out uh, they outgained them, like, I think about one twenty to thirty some yards. I mean, they they had the possession. Um, they, you know, that's when they scored. But, um, you know, it was that fourth quarter where you could tell when you saw Richard Newton start to run the ball a little bit downhill. And, uh, you know, they outgained him. Washington outgained him like 125 yards to like 50 yards. But what was most telling, Kim, was they were able to hold on to the ball. They had, you know, they were uh, only one of three on third down, but they were two of two on fourth downs. They uh, averaged seven yards a play. They had a time of possession. They had, a, they had the ball 11 minutes and 14 seconds of that fourth quarter alone. I mean, that's how you salt a game away. That was that was very almost kind of Apple Cup-esque in terms of you're, you're going to need to take the ball away from us and we're not giving it to you. And, you know, so without having any turnovers, you know, by forcing the three turnovers and uh, and doing that kind of thing, I mean, that that's just a recipe on how you win games flat out. And, and Brian well, Larson, he even said as much after the game. If you go to their press conference, he said, you know, it wasn't anything. You know, I know, like you said, he kind of got a little red asked about his about asking about the quarterbacks and stuff. But he goes, hey, this this came down to not being able to stop the run, not being able to stop them on offense, and turnovers, and not being well, able Chris, to execute. When, it's you know just basic football stuff. When you get uh, when you play a game where you have no uh, no turnovers, no fumbles. No interceptions and only one penalty. 
I like your chances. They only had one penalty. It cost them with the touchdown coming back. They scored on that drive anyways. But, uh, yeah, just no turnovers and uh, one penalty. That's a good mix. Um, just uh, real quick, you mentioned time of possession there. But uh, Washington led overall time of possession 34.06 to 25.54 for Boise. Washington ran 68 plays. Boise ran 59. And, uh, you know, take away that last drive where they were just playing ultra, ultra prevent. And uh, it probably wouldn't have been that close. Yeah, it was funny, by the way, after, after, t- after, the last, after the last turnover, um, just real quick, the last turnover at the end of the game, um, you know, there was still a couple seconds left on the clock and they were trying to get everybody was running out on the field and Chris had got his ice bath and they were trying to get guys off the field because one more play, they had to take a knee. Yeah. I, w- I was going to say too, that Harson had also mentioned how field position played a huge part in this game. So I, I want to give credit to the special teams guys, guys like Joel Whitford and race Porter and, and those guys and, and, uh, and, and keeping them, especially in the regular field of play kickoffs. I know we're a little spotty at times, um, you know, Tim Horn, he would boom a couple out of, you know, out of the end zone and then he'd hit a couple short. Who knows if that was tactical or not, but, you know, but you look at their drive where they started their drives, Kim, you know, they started at their own 17, 19, their own four, their own 33, their own one, their own 31, their own 23. They only started one drive in Washington territory. Whereas you know, in Washington score in Washington started two drives, but they also started at their own 48 their own 46, their own 44, their own 40, their own 45. So that'll tell you a little bit about what Washington was able to do in terms of when they had the field position, they capitalized on it. And if they weren't able to move the ball, they put Boise State in a real at a real disadvantage in terms of yep. trying to move the ball. Joe went for three punts for 47 yards, but boy, he made them count. And then he was able to really hang on to the ball and let his guys get downfield before he got that uh, rugby kick with a big bounce race. Porter had one for uh, 46 and it made a huge difference. But Scott's special teams, I thought, uh, played really, really, really well tonight. And it was good to see Chico back there returning kicks, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, it was interesting. I, I put it in my... Um in my game analysis piece that uh, uh, Chris, you can, or maybe you, Kim, you could tell me who was the one who had the punt that ended up at the one yard line. I'm pretty sure that was Joel. Okay. Cause Porter had one too. So I thought Porter had uh, the last kick of the last punt. Oh, was that what it was? Okay, I can't gotcha. remember. Okay. Yeah. I'd have to go well, back and look now. Whatever it was, it was down by Kyler Gordon, right at the one yard line. You couldn't ask for a better punt than that one. I mean, it was beautiful. And, Four punts. Uh, Four punts, yeah. two inside the 20, by the way. Yeah, and average 47 between the two of them. And uh, Whitford actually uh, slowed up what might have been a game-changing play uh, because Avery Williams was returning that punt. He might have gotten out of, gotten far enough away from Benning Potoi, but um, Joel ended up getting in his way just enough for Benning to make the tackle and uh, stopped him at the Husky 46. Well, four plays later, Washington had the ball at their own 40 because they stopped Boise State on that fourth down play. Yeah, well, actually, I was looking at it. Sorry, Race Porter had the first punt of the game, which ended up at the, uh, if I remember right, it was downed at the four-yard line. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Elijah Molden, leading tackler with nine. Brandon Wellington with eight. Trent McDuffie and Levi Onwuzrike, both with four. Um, uh, Elijah Molden, uh, MVP, came up big today, too. Yeah, he did. That interception that he had, Chris, I don't know if you saw That was an incredible catch by him. I mean, from a defensive back standpoint, that that was like a receiver catching the ball. I would I would you'd be hard pressed to find a lot of receivers who would have made a play like that. Yeah, if I remember correctly too, I think I think Ryan Bowman had an influence on that play where yep. he had where the quarterback I was at Backmar he had to throw over Bowman to do it, and that's what allowed uh, Molden to to basically jump the play. Yep, that was exactly what it was, and that was why Molden was able to get the overthrow and and return it. I I actually thought he was going to be able to get a chance to to return it for a touchdown, but uh, instead he he puts it down at the uh, I think it was the Boise State twenty four, and Washington ended up getting a, getting a field goal out, or yeah getting a aren't yeah getting a whatever it was he he put them in position to score a touchdown I believe. I don't want to get into it too deep. We'll save it for another podcast. But uh, Chris Peterson uh, said it's going to feel great tomorrow to have to wake up and uh, not have a lot to do. But uh, hey, Pete, your contract runs through January 31st. And uh, Jim, excuse me, December 31st. Jimmy doesn't take over till the 1st. Uh, Jen Cohen on the sidelines. Uh, she was pretty emotional post game. And uh, that last touchdown, she was pretty fired up. Uh, Jimmy Lake was stalking the sidelines a little bit differently than I've seen him in the past. On the post-game uh, ceremony, Coach Pete uh, wanted Jimmy Lake to come up and share in that, which he did. Um, you know, it was just an interesting um, post-game uh, with Coach Pete. Um, tried to talk a little bit to Bush Hamden after the game, and uh, he was a little distant. Uh, same with uh, Coach Bonifa. Um, you know, so we'll just have to wait and see what changes are coming about because I don't think there's any doubt some changes are uh, going to be coming. And, uh, you know, like I said, we could save that for another podcast. But uh, just down here, um, Chris, you were kind of, you kind of jokingly said to me after being at the Peach Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Rose Bowl, this bowl, God, it's kind of like trading places because I'm telling you, <laughs> this is not any of those bowl games. Uh, just to set up everything, I, those other places were first class. And we're playing in a stadium that's getting closed down. We're staying at a hotel that's getting closed down, and uh, it sure feels like it at times. Yeah, but it's uh, you know the weird, the really the weirdest thing about it is that Washington football's done for 2019 on December yeah. 21st, which you know you I'd have to go back. I can look in the record books right now. I'm trying to think when is the earliest a season has been done. Um, you know whether it was under Chris Peterson or not. Uh, last time you know, we were here, last time we were here with Sark against Boise State. Yeah, and and well, and but that was yeah, and that but the, see that was December twenty second. See, I got yeah. you on that one. Um, well, no, but the, this when's the last time the Washington coaches had a chance to spend Christmas at so, home yes. and not be out, you know, training from the bowl game. So. so yeah, so it's it's basically the earliest in a decade, which means you know they played in ten bowl games since, uh, and and it's just. Um, it, it, but again, it does feel weird, like you said, going to three New Year's Six games and going through kind of that process, and especially when you're doing media and it's availability and all that kind yeah. of thing, and then all of a sudden you're you're having to rush through all this stuff, and you you 
you know, like for instance, at the Rose Bowl last you know, last January or last end of December, you know, you got an opportunity to talk to every coach. You got an opportunity to talk to basically every player uh, for you know a, a, a you know, it was a set standard part of time, but it was you had opportunities, you had availability, you had access. You had Not almost here. none of that in this game. None, none, zero, zip. <laughs> Practice. Uh, we got twenty minutes of stretching. We got. Uh, Brandon Wellington and Aaron Fuller each for about three minutes. And then coach Pete and, you know, at the press conference where he's not really saying anything, but anyways, but uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. We've still got a lot of work to do. We'll have another podcast. I'd like to have one up for you guys on Monday. We'll talk about uh, changes coming about and what all that means as well as wrapping up signing day. But uh, Chris Fetter's final thoughts. Yeah, just, uh, you know, first of all, I will take an extra large uh, helping of humble pie with uh, with my prediction, I was the only one of the Dogman guys that predicted a Boise State victory, so I no will eat it and, and no I will eat better. it with a big with a big grin on my face. Um, yeah, I, I honestly felt like this was the game that neither team wanted to be at. This was a consolation prize specifically for Boise State because they were arguably one game away from potentially being in a playoff uh, conversation. They would have been the fourth unbeaten team in uh, FBS besides LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson. And, you know, I don't think they would have gotten in, but you never know. And so that's the team that Washington was facing. And, yeah, a lot of people can say now in hindsight, oh, yeah, they were overrated, they're from the Mountain West, they're a group of five, all that stuff. I guarantee you none of that matters right now. Um, What I found also really interesting, Kim and Scott, that – you know, you go back to 2013 and you go to that first game in the in the new renovated Husky Stadium and Boise State comes in with Chris Peterson and they lose 38-6. to What was the score tonight? 38-7. to It is really weird how life works sometimes. And it feels like it is a fitting, not just so much a, a, a fitting ending to the Chris Peterson era at Washington, but, you know, just everything on the field too. It felt... As, as dominant as Washington was against Boise State that day six years ago, they were just as dominant tonight. And um, it was good to see. And, and I'm really glad that uh, Coach Pete was able to go off on his terms and the players and the coaches were able to do it for him because I know how much that meant to him. And so now that they can go on and now Jimmy Lake and his staff can go and really attack uh, the rest of the recruiting process and obviously going into the 2020 season. Scott Eklund, final thoughts. Well, I, I think it's you know it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the uh, rest of the coaching staff. But right now, I think the Huskies are just enjoying this win, and the Husky fans should enjoy this win. It, it yeah, it was against a Mountain West team, but they were twelve and one. They're a talented team, and Washington came in and put it to them, and and basically put their foot down and imposed their will on their opponent and uh it was good to see good way to go into the off season and now we start the jimmy lake era i said to uh will harris uh, down in the field after the game you're just getting started he goes you have no idea and i think this is the uh, start of uh, taking this to the whole next level you know first of all um we've been doing this for a long time we've been dealing with Jim Lambright, Keith Gilbertson, um, Rick Neuheisel, um, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, Tyrone Willingham, and Chris Peterson. And Chris Peterson is as good a person, as good a football coach as we've ever dealt with. 
he didn't like dealing with us, but he always was the two things. And the only two things I expect, he was always professional and he was always cordial. Um, he's going to be missed. Um, he's a big, big, big presence on uh, the culture of this program. He's still going to be around. I still think he's going to have a heavy influence on the culture of this program. I think he's going to be there when Jimmy Lake needs him. Uh, I think that when he needs it for the culture and motivation and leadership, he'll be there. But knowing Chris, you know, as little as I do, but I think when it comes to football stuff, he's going to try to stay out of that as much as possible. So it's going to be interesting. And uh, boy, the Jimmy Lake era, you know, we've got some coaching decision. You know, we've got definitely at least one hire. We'll see where the rest of it goes. We've got a recruiting class that's going to be filled out. And uh, boy, I, I think it's just going to be really interesting. And then, you know, who's staying, who's going? You know, when you take a look at Jacob Eason and everything I'm hearing, he's going to wait until they figure out what's going to go on with the offense before he makes a decision. I tried to get out of Levi on Wuzrike, <laughs> whether he was coming back or not. He just smiled at me like, yeah, I'm not going there. Uh, Elijah Molden's got a decision. Um you know, uh, some other guys too. So we'll see what happens, but, uh, Hey, it's the end of the Chris Peterson era at Washington, you know, a little bit sad, but, uh, going out on a great note. So, um, for all of us at dogman.com end of football season, big thanks to our interns, Jack McCauley and, uh, George Johnson. They've been a tremendous help in the background. A lot of other people helping us along the way. Special shout out to Ryland Spencer. Ryland's always there to help us in anything he needs. Also, Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, Blair and Gulo. Anybody I missed on that, guys? Um, I can't think. That's a pretty. That's a pretty good list. Um, right. No, wow. I think that's pretty good. I think Andy? you're good, Andy. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Andy down in San Francisco, and one more person. Lindsay Eklund for putting up with Scott so we don't have to. So anyways, uh -huh. for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnells on Chris Better, Scott Eklund, go dogs. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.